please turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Most of us have heard of the term called politically correct. Everybody? Politically correct. Or some people call it PC. You're just so PC. That is just so PC. And in fact, I would even say that most people would say that our world is very politically correct now. Maybe even saying our world is very even religiously correct. You know, we've gotten to the point now where it's almost like we can't call things as they are. I mean, black is not black anymore. White is not white. Everything's gray, man. It's gray. There are no absolutes. There are no rights and wrongs. It's just like wishy-washy. Or in the, in the words of, what was his name, Rodney King, can't we all just get along? And everybody just tries to compromise and, you know, don't, don't offend. Or what people will say is, we're all God's children. We're all going to heaven. It's called universalism. We're all going to heaven. No more truth, no more convictions, and no more taking a stand on your convictions or a stand on things. You know, when I was growing up, I remember a couple of sayings. Speak your mind. Or, have you guys ever heard this one? Call a spade a spade. You don't hear that anymore. Call a spade a spade. What does that mean? It means to say the truth about something. And don't worry if it's not polite or if it's not pleasant. If it offends, just say the truth. But that isn't the case anymore. Today, people don't want you to say that anymore. People don't want you to offend or say anything that will offend somebody. I mean, really? We can't say anything that will be offensive if it's the truth? Does our society even have now the ability to call evil, evil? That's a question. Do we have that ability as Christians, you individually, for yourself, in your circle of influence, with your children, at work? Can you call a spade a spade? Can you say if something's wrong, that's wrong, man? Or are you going to be PC? If we start speaking out the truth, are you afraid of the politically correct police? Hey, man, don't judge me, man. Don't judge me. You guys ever felt that? I mean, I have had that. I remember this one guy, he was telling me that. And then he took off his shirt, and on the back of his back, it says, don't judge me. <laughs> guy took it really serious. You know, it's probably the scripture that's most well-known in today's society. And it is in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. The scripture now that's most known is the scripture that we're going to show in our text right now. And actually, many people who don't even read the Bible, don't even crackle in front of the Bible, they can quote you this scripture. Let's look at our text. Matthew 7.1, please. Matthew 7.1. Judge not, Jesus said, that you be not judged. How many times have we heard that? Judge not. Didn't Jesus say, judge not? Otherwise, you're going to be judged. Now, I want to look at how this scripture is 
misinterpreted. Uh, and this scripture many times is misinterpreted because it's for our own purposes. The title of this sermon is Judge, Lest Ye Be Judged. Okay? It's a twist on that scripture. In other words, where God is saying, I want you to call a spade a spade. I want you to use truth. I want you to be able to say something's wrong, because if not, people are going to be hurt by it. You're going to be hurt by it. People around you are going to be hurt by it. Judge, lest you be judged. But people today, they'll misinterpret that scripture because of their own agenda and purposes. You know, they'll use that scripture to hammer away anybody who starts saying anybody to stop the discussion. If somebody's talking about the wrongness of a person's behavior, immediately, you know, that's judging a man. Don't do that. What are you doing? People will immediately say, don't you know that you're a Christian, aren't you? Don't you know your Bible? Even Jesus said, don't judge. And immediately, if you don't know your Bible, and even if you do, you feel that pressure to cower, to silence the critics. The clear implication is that we can never say if somebody's behavior is sin. Otherwise, you're judging somebody. Even Christians now, I'm hearing this more and more, is, hey man, nobody's perfect. Are you trying to say that you're perfect? You've never done anything wrong? And we'll hear that from Christians. They've even got in bumper stickers all over the place. Christians aren't perfect, we're just forgiven. You guys seen that? And there's, so there's a push to be able to silence God's people, silence God's word, silence the truth. And obviously they're excusing or rationalizing, really willfully, their sinful, anti-biblical behavior. They don't want to hear it. Now, obviously Jesus, he never meant for us not to judge things anymore. Never. He was not saying that we're never to judge sinful behavior throughout the whole Bible. He does it. The whole Bible does it. Listen, every single day we have to judge things, don't we? Every single day at work we have to be able to say if something is scale of 1 to 10, a 5, you have to rate all the time. You have to be able to rate with your kids. You have to be able to rate. In everything you do, you have to be able to know and have discernment if something is good or bad. And that's the whole word for discernment is knowing the difference between something that's good, something that's bad. Jesus, in the same chapter that he spoke about that scripture that people throw in our face, he says these things. Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. He says, You will know them by their fruits. <laughs> Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In other words, you will know people by their fruits. Without discernment, if you don't know that an apple tree is an apple tree, how do you know it's going to be an apple tree? If you don't know if somebody has got the works of the flesh or the fruits of the Spirit, okay, if you don't know something is wrong, how are you going to be able to know? So Jesus has an expectation. You will know them by their fruits. Okay? He then even goes further and harder. Verse 19 through 20 brings out even more. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
Verse 20. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So he's saying here, like a Christian, or like somebody who claims to be a Christian, or somebody who is a religious person on the outside, but on the inside, they're not living the life. He goes, you'll know them by their fruits. And if they don't have the goods, they're going to be cut down, and they're going to be thrown into the fire. This is loving Jesus. This is Jesus when it says, that said in Matthew 7, 1, Judge not, lest ye be judged. Look at verse 23. Even brings it out. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness or sin. Now, if there is no sin, if nothing is really absolutes, if there really isn't any wrongs and right, what's that scripture there for? Obviously, there is sin. Obviously, there are absolutes. Obviously, Jesus has an expectation of us to live according to his word. Otherwise, he would not have said that. Jesus, in that um, same book, in that, in that same chapter, he talks about adultery. Now, to call adultery or murder a sin, isn't that to pass judgment? Of course it is. If we see that somebody murdered somebody, we all can say, golly, Hitler, he was a bad dude. We all can say that. Okay? Charles Manson, he was a bad dude. But that's passing judgment. But we do that all the time in even lesser degrees. And if you say, that was murder, or that was adultery, you're really using God's word. In fact, our whole, um, in the United States, our whole judicial system is really based on the Ten Commandments. Our capital punishment is really based from the Bible. And so when we say, that's murder, or that's adultery, you're really not only passing judgment, but you're agreeing with God that that's wrong. You know, the Bible has a whole book called Judges. <laughs> and in that book, God raised up these judges to judge sin, to say something was wrong. Look it up. It's in the Old Testament. The Bible says flee evil. Now, flee evil. That means that we have to make a judgment call on what's evil. Now, so what did Jesus mean by this scripture? Let's get to that now. Judge not, lest ye be judged. As we were already seeing, Jesus is not saying anything goes. Okay? Jesus was giving us a caution to make sure that we are willing to be judged equally. <laughs> Why is it that you're judging that person? You're so critical, yet you don't do that to yourself. There's a righteous kind of judgment that we're supposed to exercise with careful discernment. God expects us to be able to judge, but do it carefully and with discernment. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible, but in the world, there's a saying, don't judge a book by its cover. We've all heard that. But Jesus has a saying that probably that, that, scripture, that uh, saying comes from. John chapter 7, verse 24 says, do not judge according to the appearance, 
but judge with righteous judgment. And that right there is the key. You know, the parable of the tares. Jesus said, hey, Master, should we pull the tares out now? No, because at this point right now, we don't know which ones are the wheat. We don't know which ones are the tares. You, got, you don't know the heart. And he's talking about souls. When somebody dies and we're not certain about their lives, and you're not certain what happened at the very end of their lives, who are you to judge? That person went to hell, man. How do you know that? How do you know? How dare you say that? No. Only God knows. Only God knows the heart. In fact, some of us who, you know, golly, this person's such a good person. How do you know that? In other words, is you take care of your own backyard, we will know them by their fruits. Yes. But even then, I mean, at the very end, they still thought, the 11 disciples, that Judas was okay. Right? In fact, they had so many imperfections themselves, they said, Lord, is it me? Have you ever felt that way? Oh, God, I need mercy, God. You know, is it me? You know, so here God is saying, don't judge superficially. You don't know. Leave the heaven and the hell to God. Okay? Now, we are to judge as far as what's right or wrong. But when it comes to those matters, don't do it. Our text is not a warning against judging, but a warning, really, against what? Hypocrisy. That's the real key. Real easy for you to talk about that person, and, but yet you don't do it to yourself. Now, how do we know this? How do we know what the Bible is really saying about this verse? Well, it's how we know about all of the verses of the Bible. Context, context, context. Don't pull a scripture out of context. Don't just say, well, that's what the Bible says. Look at the context. What does it say before that? And what does it say after that? You have to look the Bible in its entirety. And it's really like any other book. You can pull any one section of one sentence or a group, maybe, from any book. And all of a sudden get a different meaning than what the author was trying to say. So whenever somebody tells me, Ernie, but the Bible says, I said, well, settle down. Let's read five verses before. Let's read five verses after. And especially the cults, they get mad at me when I do that. Because it's context, context, context. And what does the context show in this verse? Well, that was Matthew 7.1. Let's look at Matthew 7.2, the scripture immediately after that. And with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. There you see it in a nutshell. For in the way you judged, you will be judged by that same standard. In other words, if you're going to say that someone is doing something wrong, you better be prepared to be measured by that same standard that you're using. No, 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 no. That's that's them, man, but not, not me. I mean, I've been saved for a long time. I've been coming to church for a long time. I'm a good guy. Better prepared to be used, to be measured by the same standard. It's like that saying in the world. Those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. If you're living in a glass house and you're saying, that person's wrong, that person. But you got this glass house. Be careful because that glass house is going to be brought down with one. What what should happen? 
move out of that glass house and get a real house. Change your behaviors. Before you start talking about somebody else's, change your glass house to a house that has a proper foundation. So when the storms come, you're not going to be washed down. You know, I think about an example um, that I saw in the news uh, real recently. Al Gore okay, used to be the president of the United States. He's knocking a bunch of people, and he's talking about green um, gases, and he's talking about CO2 emissions, and he's talking about carbon footprints. And yet, I start reading about the guy, and the guy's got such big houses, always in Boeing 747, the private jets. He's always letting out all these CO2s. I mean, talking about a glass house, hypocritical. Jesus further explains this verse in the next scriptures. Matthew uh, chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't consider the plank or the pole, the beam, in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, before you do that, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the little speck from your brother's eye. Before you start telling somebody what's wrong with their life, Make sure your backyard's taken care of. Make sure your life's taken care of. How easy it is for us to say that, 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 and yet you've got this big old thing coming out of your eye. And all of us can do that. Now, you notice that Jesus, he didn't say, take the log out of your eye, but yet after that, don't say anything about him. He didn't say that. And many people will say, yeah, that's true. See, take the log out of your eye and don't tell me anything. He did not say that. He said, before you tell your brother something, take it out of your own eye. Take care of your own business. But yet the world is trying to get us to, yeah, man, take the log out of your own eye and then shut up and don't say anything. And that's the issue. They're trying to shut us up. They're trying to get us not to be able to have discernment, not to be able to Say what's right or wrong. They're trying to make it to where all just gray area. There are no absolutes. There are no rights. There are no wrongs. You know, what Jesus is saying here, okay, is besides the hypocrisy issue, we are here to help others. If you see somebody that is going through something, or if you see something that's wrong, Help them to take care of it before this snowballs and becomes a disaster for their lives here on this earth and obviously in hell. That's our responsibility. Now, but not with a condemning, superior, or hypocritical attitude. Really? It's with a spirit of mercy. He who shows mercy will obtain mercy. And so Jesus is saying... Don't be quiet about it, but just don't be hypocritical about it. But still point it out. Help the person out. Pointing out a destructive behavior, I would say and submit to you, before it gets serious and hurts the problem, is loving our neighbor. 
and it's being salt in this decaying world. What is loving your neighbor? Well, it's not. You see them having a problem, and you don't say anything. It's judgment, man. Let them take care of themselves. If you know that something's wrong, and before the problem becomes destructive, help them. Show them that it's wrong. You know, I hope you don't mind me bringing this out, but our brother Mark. I remember real recently when he started coming to church. What an epiphany when his eyes were opened and Pastor Stevens preached a sermon on marriage. And I'll never forget, here, Jessica was divorcing him, restraining order, don't want anything to do with this guy. And Mark thought he was right. He thought he was okay because of the way he was brought up. His perspective was, I'm okay. And then Pastor Stevens preaches the word of God, preaches truth, doesn't hold back. And Mark's eyes were like, the problem is me. He rushes to the altar. He gets saved. And he says, Jessica, it was me. I'm wrong. And today, they're both saved. They're both married and doing well. But what would have happened if Pastor Stevens would not have told the truth? What if he would not have talked about how we can be real bums, us men, and shown the truth, brought that clarity? Then, like a lot of churches, he would have come and he would have thought, I'm okay. And that's what happens. In a lot of churches, the truth is no longer preached. So people are living lifestyles that are anti-God, anti-biblical sinful they come to the church and they feel okay or we can be at work and people are living certain lifestyles but you don't say anything and the person thinks i'm okay and here you have the answer you have the truth yes it's going to cause some consternation But then the healing comes, and it's your responsibility to be able to share that and point that out. See, love requires that we point out an error. If a married person is flirting with somebody that's not their wife, and you see that, and you turned a blind eye and don't say anything, that's not loving them. That's not helping them. Because if that person continues to do that, It's going to cause their marriage to be shipwrecked. You can help them right now. You can tell them, hey, bro, hey, sis, don't need to be doing that. But that's judging them, man. No, no, no. I'm not going to do that, man. No, no. That would be judging. How many times have we heard that? And people don't say anything. And then years later, the spouse finds out that that one person, their friend, knew about it. Why didn't you tell me when it was early on? I didn't want to judge you. That's from the devil. That's not of God. And that is not what this scripture and this context is saying. But the devil is turning it to where this is what's happening in our culture today. Paul confirms this in 1 Corinthians when he talks about the story of a man sleeping with his stepmother. And how the church should have removed him from the local body. So that the man would repent and be restored. Wow. No, no, that's judging. And here the great Paul the Apostle says, what are you doing, Corinthians? 
you see this that's going on? And you didn't call him on the carpet? You didn't say, hey, you didn't correct this, so you're out. Golly, what kind of a church do we have here at the door? You guys kick people out. That's not love. Read Corinthians. Paul the Apostle did that through the Holy Spirit. That's called love. But today, most churches, you can live however you want. You want. Hey, at this church, we don't kick anybody out, man. We love. That's not love. That's covering things and not helping them to be able to see the reality, correct it, be restored, have their marriage restored, and make it to heaven as opposed to hell. Love attempts always to prevent destruction. Now, lastly, we better judge sin lest we be judged. In other words, the title of my sermon, Judge Lest Ye Be Judged. Because the world doesn't do this, many people now, they don't know the difference between good and bad. Many people think it's okay. I remember when I came into this church, okay, I was with my girlfriend, and we weren't living right, and I'll never forget the day that somebody told me, um, that's fornication. I go, what is that? That's fornication. That's, what does that mean? It's premarital sex. I said, that's wrong? And he showed me the scriptures. Oh, my gosh. Now, I got to tell you, I didn't like that. It hurt. It cut. But it was the truth. And now I'm forced to make a decision. Where before, because nobody had told me. But now, I'm forced to make that decision. And I thank God I'm here today because somebody told me the truth. Do you know, the Bible says a prophecy in Isaiah. It says, how is it going to be in the last days? It says, people, because they're not calling out judgment, discernment, the truth, all of a sudden, good is going to be called evil, and evil is going to be called good. Where it's supposed to be darkness is going to be light, and light is going to be darkness. Let's look at Isaiah 5.20, please. Isaiah 5.20. This is the prophet Isaiah through the Spirit of God that's talking about what's going to be happening in the future. Isaiah 5.20. And you know what? Um, I didn't... Okay, thank you, brother. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and for light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Oh, that's not happening. I'll give you an example. Yeah? Growing up, I remember when we um, uh, would treat our teachers bad. I mean, immediately there was judgment. And immediately that was frowned upon. It's not only fixing that, Lopez, but it's yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Today, you're Mr. Tough Guy. And today, it's almost like who's ruling in the classroom? It's not the teacher. It's the kids. Growing up, I remember if somebody happened to have tendencies towards homosexuality, I remember all of us would say, oh, that's wrong, man. And, you know, we were kids, and so sometimes we were stupid, and we would um, act badly and say ugly things. But we knew it was wrong. And the people who were 
thinking about doing those tendencies, okay, they would hide in the shadows. They would not trumpet it. It was bad. It was wrong. But today, the ones that are doing it are celebrated. And the ones that say it's wrong are brought down. I remember growing up when if you wanted to look at porno, you would have to go to Eros Bookstore. And you had to be able to go and, not that I did, but you had to be able to go and, you know, and, and it was seedy. And it was in the corners and it was, you know, and if you wanted to go to a topless joint or whatever, you know. But today they're called gentlemen's clubs. Yeah. If you want to be a gentleman, you go to a gentleman's club. What the heck is that? You know, I remember growing up, if somebody said, no, that's bad, man. We all knew it was wrong. Today, man, that's bad. Really? Wow, I'm going to get one. Frank told me uh, at lunch today that his brother tells him, man, that's sick, man. And that sick is supposed to be great, really good. Like, what in the world's going on? It's the opposite. And that's exactly what that scripture points out to. They'll call evil good and good evil because people aren't using the truth to bring out judgment. And when good people do nothing, that's when evil happens. Isaiah 59, 14, it talks about what's going to happen to truth. Isaiah 59, 14. It talks about how in the future, truth is just going to be thrown in the streets. There's not going to be any more truth anymore. People are not going to be regarding truth. And all of a sudden, the Bible says in Isaiah, truth is discarded. No longer cherished. I just say, ah, what is truth anyway? You know, what's truth? There's even a movie where, what's truth? I mean, what is that? What's truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. And the world's trying to squelch that and shut that down. Many churches, as I said earlier, and pastors, they shy away from certain subjects because they don't want to do it. Many leaders now don't want to have convictions anymore or stand firm. It's almost like, have you ever heard the phrase or the, 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 the analogy? You're just like a flag in the wind. In other words, wherever the wind blows, you flow that way. If it blows that way, you flow that way. It all depends on how it's going. That's how you, you're not a man of conviction. You don't stand for, for, for anything. And there's a saying, if you don't, for a person who doesn't stand for something, he's going to fall for everything. You're just a wind. You're just a flag in the wind. And that's what's happening to a lot of our leaders today. Everybody's pushing for flexibility. And what does flexibility mean? It means, hey man, can't you compromise? Can't you just work with other people and compromise? And really what it's saying is water down your convictions. Many politicians and people are loved because they just go along with everything. In other words, you're such a, if somebody tells you you're such a politician, uh-oh, be careful. You know? But that's how many politicians are, is they just go along with everything. They're chameleons. They can be a part of any group. Beware, the Bible says, when all men think well of you. Luke 6, 26. 
Look at this scripture, Luke 6, 26. Beware when all men think well of you. Because that's how the Bible was speaking about, about false prophets. Luke 6, 26. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. How many people now, man, that person's such a great person. That person such. listen, guys, we all like to like. We all like to be liked. None of us likes to not be liked. I mean, it's a bummer when people, they knock you, when they uh, think that you're being narrow-minded or judgmental or whatever. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that kind of, of a hit on us. But Jesus said, beware. You know, I think about Bill Clinton. He was known as a bubba, you know? I mean, everybody liked Bill Clinton. He was a bubba because he sinned. And he never called you on your sin. It was just a bubba. I think about, you know, since we're in the political season, I think about how some politicians right now are just flip-flopping. Before they become president, no, I think that abortion is wrong. And all of a sudden they become president, no, it's all right. I think that marriage is between a man and a woman. And all of a sudden, no, I think that's okay. And they're flip-flopping. And there's some of us that have voted for some of them. And God's going to hold you accountable for that. Because you're not measuring a person based on God's word. You're measuring if they happen to have an R or a D or whatever. You better measure it on God's word. You better look at their record. You know, I've got to mention Trump. This guy's talking flexibility. And he knocks the other, hey, I'm flexible. And really what he's saying, when they start holding him on the carpet... Call him on the carpet saying, didn't you just say that two weeks ago or a month ago? I'm flexible. You know, i got to tell you, I'm not going to say who I'm going to be going for, but I will say that I'm going to go for a man that's going to be as close to the Bible, as close to being a man of conviction, a man that has a track record of holding to his convictions, that you can actually measure him out. And that's why some of these Politicians are hated because they are men of principle. They don't move. And they stand on the word of God. They stand on their principles. You know, I think about, this is why Judge Antonin Scalia was so hated. I'm not sure if you all know what happened in the last two weeks. But we have nine Supreme Court judges, and we just lost one. He went to a place real close to here. And he was um, on vacation. And he passed away in his sleep. In fact, they brought him, I think, to El Paso, to one of the funeral homes here on the northeast, because it was so close. And then I think they even embalmed him here and then sent him to Washington, D.C. Um, uh, for the ceremony. But this man was hated because this man was a man of principle. They tried to move him immovable, stood based on the Constitution, stood based on, I believe, marriages between a man and a woman. The Hollywood elite hated him. The LGBT hated him. All of the liberals hated him. And most of the politicians hated him because this man was a man of principle and convictions. And unfortunately, let me just tell you something. He was the one that was keeping the court 
honest. Even those who supposedly were conservative, because the liberal judges, you can always bank on them to go for homosexuality, to go for abortion, to go for no gun rights, and all the rest of it. But the conservative supposed judges, they're wishy-washy. This man was never wishy-washy. This man stood on principle and called a spade a spade, and now he's dead. And as we speak, our Supreme Court is making some judgment calls on gun control, on abortion, on a whole host of very important issues. And our nation can very well, very quickly be changed because of just one person. The Bible, Jesus said, the road to heaven is very narrow. That's Jesus. Jesus dogmatically said, listen, I don't care what the Jews say, what the Pharisees say, what all, there's only one way to heaven, and that's me. Wow. What happened to loving Jesus? And today, what are they doing to us? Have you ever heard the term, the silence of the lambs? Are we going to take part in the silence of the lambs? They're trying to shut us up. They're trying to shut up the church. They're trying to shut up our salt our flavor. They're trying to shut up us sharing the truth. We better judge, first of all, and lastly, our own lives and against our sin and the Word of God. And we better judge when we see that our loved ones are doing something that's wrong. God, He's going to hold us accountable to that. Now, how do we know when our faces are okay? Well, we need a mirror, right? We need to be able to look at it. Okay, okay. Nothing here, nothing, you know. And you're okay. But you need that mirror unless somebody's telling you. And thank God for those who tell you the truth. Ernie, careful. Whatever, you know. But if you don't have that, you need that mirror. Otherwise, it can be rather embarrassing. The Bible speaks about how the Word of God is the mirror for your life and for my life. James chapter 1, verse 23 through 25. It speaks about how the Word of God... It helps us to be able to know when something is wrong. James 1, 23 through 25, please. For if, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. And he observes himself, for he observes himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in that law, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. The mirror of the word of God is what we should be guiding our lives by. See, the word of God is not a pillow. It's a sword. The word of God is not something that we can just, ah, and just brush it off. The word of God, the Bible says, is a sharp, two-edged. In fact, let's look at that scripture, Hebrews Chapter 4, verse 12, says, Hebrews 4, 12, please. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Wow. The word of God will cut you. And sometimes it's excruciating cuts. It's excruciating. It hurts. But it's because Jesus is the potter. 
We're the clay. He sees the defects in us. He wants to make us unto his image. And the only way that's going to happen is we're living sacrifice. And we allow him to be able to do that in our lives. Be, you know, it's far better to find out what's wrong with us and have the opportunity to fix it than to go on and live in a life that's a mess. And then, even worse, go to hell. Because you're not judging yourself. You're not looking honestly at yourself. I'm okay, man. I'm okay. Are you? And then you fail to live up to your potential. To the wonderful destiny that God has for your life. You're missing the opportunity, the chance to experience forgiveness, restoration, spiritual growth. You're still in the same place and not maturing. God wants you to bring you to a place of maturity, but you have none of it because you don't have that mirror. You're not using discernment. You're not using judgment. We better share the truth with our loved ones. God will hold us accountable to that. You know, if your child is doing something wrong, true love warns and corrects him. I've had some people real recently say, listen, Ernie, it's a messed up world out there. And so when my, my kid goes parties out there, you know, and drinks, drugs, I'm always scared that they're going to get in a car wreck and something's going to happen to them. So I let them smoke pot upstairs and drink. And that way, at least they're here in the house. Or another one. You know, Ernie, all kids are going to have sex. We all know it. They can tell you they're not, but they are. So that's why I buy my daughter, 14 years old, condoms. And I tell her, I know you're going to be doing it, but make sure you use these. What is that? That's not love. That's not sharing the truth with them. You know what? I love my kid. Your kid is 35 years old, still working, still living in your house, and not working. That's not love. That's not bringing them to a place of maturity. You're enabling and facilitating this behavior because you're unwilling to say the truth. No, no, I don't want to judge them. You better judge, lest ye be judged. Because the Bible says in Proverbs that if you don't chastise your children, if you don't show them the way, they're going to end up being shipwrecked and God's going to hold you accountable. Jesus said that we need to be salt and light. And then he says, but if the salt has lost its flavor, what good is it for? But just to throw in the street to be trampled on. Warn others. Pastor Glenn, he talked this morning about Ezekiel chapter 33. And that's my last sentence. Ezekiel chapter 33 talks about the watchman on the wall. And he says, you Christian, if you don't see a problem coming and you watchmen don't warn the people and the people die, I'm going to require their blood on your hands. But if you see a problem coming, if you see a problem and you warn and they don't listen, then you're free. There is no blood at your hands. God is saying, if you love somebody, it's not judging. It's saying, 
hey, bro, there's a better way. Hey, sis, you don't need to be doing that. If you do that, you're going to end up marriage shipwreck. You're going to end up hurting yourself with that life of drugs. You're going to end up in hell. And God says, there you go, my son. I have given you hope. I have given you an answer. You shared that answer. And if that person doesn't listen, that's their business. Pastor Stevens preached that message. And we have the wonderful testimony of not only this precious couple, but many of you all. As the sermon was preached, as somebody witnessed to you, you saw the truth, the mirror, and then you had a decision to make. And today, you're being restored. Today, your marriage is no longer shipwrecked. Today, your son or your daughter or yourself or somebody in your family is now being restored because of the truth. But how many out there are right now that are thinking they're okay because you're not doing anything about it? You're not saying anything. You're not being that watchman on the wall because you're afraid of the politically correct police. You're afraid of the label judge. Don't judge me, man. And God is saying, don't believe the lie of the devil that that's what I meant. That's not what I meant. Look at the context and be salt and be light. Amen? I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed, please. Judge, lest ye be judged. God is saying to all of us here, there is truth. Forget what the world says, that there are no absolutes. No, there is. And we are to measure ourselves based on the word of God. And if right now you are thinking you were okay, but now you're hearing this message and you see that you're wrong and that you need to be able to measure yourself against the mirror, which is the word of God. God loves you. God wants to restore your marriage restore your relationships. He wants to restore your mind. He wants to be able to save you. Your life is shipwrecked right now. And God loves you and has come to die on the cross for you and to show you how to live on this life, on this world, victoriously. And it isn't based on what the world says. They're lying to us. They say, hey, man, drink. And they never show you all of the people that have been drinking so many Budweiser's and now today are dying of cirrhosis of the liver. Hey, man, just had this marble, but they never show you the after effects of what happens. They never show you the effects of being flirtatious with somebody that's not your wife. They never show you of how to reach out to somebody that is on Facebook or whatever, and you're just trying to reach out to another child, another or friend that you maybe want to hook up with, and then the world doesn't tell you that that may be some old man that's trying to rip you off. The world doesn't tell us the truth. And God is trying to say to you right now, don't listen to them. Listen to me. I love you, and I want to restore you. I want to save you. If there's somebody here, and you haven't given your life to Christ, or you're backslidden, I want you to raise your hand to Jesus. Say, Jesus, save me, Lord. I'm not living right right now. I'm not 
really measuring my life according to the Word of God. Or I know the Word of God, but I haven't been doing it. If right now you're wanting to change and to give your life back to God or, sa- or ask God for, for, for the first time to, to save you, raise your hand to Jesus. Say, Jesus, that's me, Lord. Save me, God. Forgive me, God. I'm doing things that are wrong. If that's you, raise your hand to God. If right now you're living apart from God, please understand, God, he's not judging you <laughs> in the sense that he's throwing you on the bus. He's calling Sin, sin. And he says, I have an answer to that. When Jesus said to the woman, hey, why don't you bring your husband? Um, I don't have a husband. That's right. You've had five husbands. And the one that you're with right now is not your husband. Whoa. What kind of love is that? Isn't that judging? Jesus always confronted people with the truth. Because he wanted them as a sharp two-edged sword to be able to cut. But the other side of the sword is to heal. Jesus loves you. Perhaps right now you feel cut, but God wants to heal. God wants to say, stop what you're doing. What you're doing right now is sin. You're going to end up in a messed up life. You're going to end up hurting yourself, hurting other people in your relationships. And then, God forbid, hell, stop it now. If that's you, raise your hand to Jesus. Raise your hand to God and say, God, I'm wrong. Save me, God. All right. Assuming that everybody here is a Christian. I hope that I've tried to explain what the world is saying about this verse is wrong. And I hope I brought clarity. And that was the informational part. But the part that was, I was trying to, where I really felt God hitting me with is, Judge, Ernie, lest you be judged. Judge your sin, Ernie. Judge your lifestyle. Judge your, 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 your indifference or your laziness or your half-heartedness. Judge it, Ernie. Judge it, Christian. And then judge your loved ones, your family members. Listen, it would be very easy for me, my brother whom I love very much in California, who is living a lifestyle that's anti-biblical. It would be very easy for me to say, I love you, bro, and not say anything. But if he went into eternity, I, God, would hold accountable for his blood because I didn't tell him the truth. God wants you to be a watchman and not be afraid of the politically correct fringe and call a spade a spade and judge sin so people can be saved. I'm going to open up the altar call right now. And I ask you to be able to come and to be able to make some commitments to God to realize where you're at right now. And if you haven't been calling a spade a spade, if you haven't been judging sin, if you haven't been telling people the truth because you've been feeling the pressure of don't judge me, man, and of this world, don't listen to this world. That's a demonic strategy to shut up Christians. It's the silence of the lambs. And we as lambs of God need to say, God, I will not be silent. I will stand on your word. I will proclaim your truth, not hypocritically, not judgmentally, but I will proclaim your truth, God, so people can be saved. And God, if I have been hypocritical and I've been judging people and not looking at myself first, I'm going to change that, God, 
because, God, I understand your word. And before I can say, hey, bro, hey, sis, I better take care of my own backyard. Let's go to him. Get a hold of God. Hallelujah, Lord. Majestic is your name, and my lips shall sing your praise, and my heart shall cry aloud and say, You're my righteousness, you're my strength, you're my redeemer, and my lips shall sing your praise. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for your sharp, two-edged sword, God. Thank you, Lord. God, that we would not be hypocrites, God. But, God, that we would judge ourselves first, Lord. Hallelujah, God. God, that we would speak to people in love, not judgmentally, not having scrutiny, God, but, God, with a desire to salvage, to redeem, to help, to give them a solution, to help them, Lord God, to be able to know the way, Lord. Mercifully, God, graciously, God, in Jesus' name, help us to be mature, God, in how we talk to our moms, our dads, our brothers, our sisters, people at work. Show us, God. Help us, Lord, to lovingly and yet still correct when something is wrong, God. Hallelujah. One more time. You've given my soul. Majestic is your name, my lips shall sing your praise, and my heart shall cry aloud and say, You're my righteousness, you're my strength. Hallelujah. Praise you, my God. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, my God. Let's stand as we're singing this song. Let's worship God. Father, we thank you so much, Lord God, for your word, Lord. Thank you for your truth, my God. Thank you, my God, for your mirror, for your sharp two-edged sword, my God. Thank you in Jesus' name, Lord. Rolo ra, rolo rababasha, shobo rolo rababasha, shobo rolo rababasha, rolo rababasha. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. Hallelujah. Judge, lest ye be judged. We got to judge ourselves.
We've got to be honest with ourselves. Don't be like the world. I'm okay. Everybody's okay. It's not true. And when we're doing something wrong, we've got to be able to call ourselves on the carpet. And before we start pointing out fingers to everybody else, make sure that you've taken care of yours. But when you see that something's wrong, you do it lovingly, mercifully, graciously, helping them with a redemptive spirit, not knocking them. When I first got saved, one of my big problems is knocking everybody. You're going to go to hell, man. You're going to... We've got to use wisdom. We've got to grow. We've got to do it with maturity. But then some people then, all of a sudden they shut up, and it's the silence of the lambs. God is saying, don't be a silent lamb. You're to be salt. Amen? All right, praise God. We're ending early, guys. And so let's go ahead and go rejoicing in Jesus. I'm going to have our brother Herman uh, close us in prayer. Amen. God bless you.